Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Cofield and Company. We're live at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. There's a lot going on today. Good job, Willie. I uh, believe it or not, I had to step away from my own show to uh, take care of some stuff, some technical stuff. But uh, I think we got that fire put out. Uh, by the way, don't right now, uh, if you want to hear an hour of college basketball talk, which I, I would love to hear, uh, we have a lot of college football talk coming up, but an hour of college basketball talk, especially about the running Rebels, the undefeated running Rebels, with a game on the way this weekend at USD at the uh, Jenny Craig Pavilion. I think it's Pavilion. Uh, Kevin Kruger radio show right now is on Raider Nation Radio 920. That's 920 a.m. And that'll be the last show on a Wednesday for a few weeks because uh, some Wednesday games coming up, a little time off, and then really get into it once the conference season plays. But relatively uh, busy month for the Rebels, but they're going to have some extended periods off here because this week is prep time over at UNLV for finals, and the next week is finals, at least to the best of my knowledge. So get your basketball fix on right now over on 920 a.m., with the Kevin Kruger radio show. Willie's here, Willie Ramirez, Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. Here is the Battleborn Broadcast Center. So let's do a little football frenzy. Give me some crunch crunch. You know, I think you're a great guy to talk to because you're a uh, man of a lot more faith than I am, right? Um, I find, and Adam and Hill and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, I find, I find the story intriguing to follow. I don't think it's an amazing story that uh, Mr. You Freeze is back in the SEC. Remember, he was an Ole Miss coach, got in a lot of trouble for extramarital whatever nonsense he was doing, and you know, and he got in a lot of trouble for that because you know it's one thing to do it; it's also another thing to be Mr. Preachy guy and Faith guy before that. Now we can get into a whole debate about you know what faith means and second chances and forgiveness and none of us are perfect and all that stuff. But I found it really interesting when it took about seven questions at the press conference introing him as a new Auburn coach. He's now coaching at Auburn, which is a gigantic job. He's back in the SEC. He made it back. He made it back from the brink. He actually went to Liberty, a faith-based school, to resurrect his career, pun intended, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, at the feet of Jerry Falwell Jr., which is also hilarious. Not exactly the best mentor since he had his own problems. Um, I can't even use the language, but uh, yeah, his wife um, and he enjoyed the company of another young man who was 21 years old. But anyway, all that. So you freeze is back. I thought this was really interesting. About seven questions into the press conference, someone finally asked you freeze about second chances and making it back. And then I thought you freeze. And I don't know if you're going to get it here. I thought he was like a little insulted and got kind of pissing. It's like, bruh, this is going to come with the territory. People are going to ask you about the sort of details of your past to get you booted from Ole Miss. As far as second chances, man, I don't know anybody in this room that doesn't deserve a second chance. And truthfully, if everybody's life was documented as mine, it would probably be uncomfortable for a lot of people. And, you know, I don't know if deserve is the word, but I sure am thankful for grace and that I do get to keep fighting every day for another chance. I think everyone. Okay. So what I am bothered by is the launch right into Everyone deserves a second chance. And he was asked, hey, what do you think of second chances? But then he, he did what Gruden did. Remember what Gruden did at the Arkansas Touchdown Club when he had his first media exposure? 
and he made a comment that sort of sounded like he was sorry, but then he turns it on the audience yes. and it's like, hey, if you were all yeah. judged the way I was, like, yeah. bro, that ain't this ain't it, man. Yep. This ain't it. It's called you know what that's called these days? Gaslighting. Mm-hmm. So that was the only if thing. If you that- were judged right now, right? <laughs> You've had a life. But no, no. If you were judged right now and the way you act, say over the last seven or eight years, mm. if you're sitting in that audience, would you be like, no, 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 no. No, no, don't. I, I don't need to be examined over the seven or last seven or eight years. I, I haven't been living your life, Mr. Freeze. Um, we were calling him yesterday, you know, a gemstone because that's that crazy <laughs> HBO show where, you know, they're out front preaching and they live the craziest lives. Yeah. Like, easy, huge um, gemstone. So here's the deal. If I was in that audience um, and I asked that question, me personally, I'd be very tactful in how I approached asking it. But I do think... It should be asked in a certain manner, number one. Number two. Oh, believe me, it was the person sounded scared, crapless. Okay, well. To be asking a question and tiptoed in and was real nice. Well, regardless. Um, the vast it has sound nothing, crew it, headed up by me in this case. It listen, has. Because I don't want to, I, I don't want to judge without knowing what judge the question you was. You cut me off a third time. Right. Okay. I, it doesn't matter about how I've lived my life the last seven or eight years. It's. It's all 53, number one. Number two, I'm not. it's not my press conference, so it's not your place to turn on me, no matter how far back right. you want to go. About Which I would love if, if someone in the audience was like, hey, I, I'm, I'm not taking over the Auburn football job and right. in command of 100-plus people. Right. You have a different level right. of responsibility so everybody, than I do. So, so the only problem that I had in that room when you said he kind of got pissy, like I was waiting to hear a tone, the only line that didn't need to be in his reply was, if everyone in this room, yeah. there's not the, 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 everyone in this room is not making millions of dollars. End of story. Yeah. Well, the you're the, the one that's up there, so you're the one that's being questioned. Yeah. If now, if I'm up there and I'm being interviewed, no holds barred. I guess then 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 I'm open to be questioned. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I live my life in this town. I would also be prepared. Oh yeah, you got to be. I would. That you would have be to, you have the to be. one thing because he is incredibly preachy and he is an inspirational guy. Yeah, and he talked about faith and he changed it to kind of hey, it's it's not you know maybe the traditional definition of faith he's like what i'm talking about is being beholden to a a bigger theme you know a bigger cause so he switched to the kind of football and the team and the university i was fine with all that but uh no we cut off the tone part because when someone followed up about the second chance thing he's like i already addressed that oh i think i already addressed that like well not to my liking how about that throw me out mr tough guy throw me out so you hear how I'm speaking here, right? Yeah. I, I gotta I gotta tell you. We haven't really gotten into names with the UNLV coaching search. Um, Eric Harper is out doing interviews right now. To the best of my knowledge, middle of today, he was on the road. I don't know if he's back. So they had a list. They've been working on this. There was forethought. Hopefully this is not going to turn into a, a you know a weeks long process. I don't believe it will. I was told that at the beginning. It would you know the the goal was ten days. So what you're saying from, is Monday, Monday on the show he was lying because on the show he didn't have a list. They're never gonna they're never gonna say because they don't ever want to suggest so he was that they, lying. They, they never want to. No one's going to let's say delicately dancing around the question. No one's gonna say hey I had a list before I actually fired the guy because he also he also told us that he hadn't made the decision until Sunday. I mean, no, everyone knows that's not realistic. Like you were thinking about it. There was some thought. And frankly, you'd be, you'd be doing a poor job if you don't have a list. Every AD has a list like a, Hey, Oh crap list. 
whether the the coach is a flop or the coach gets taken, you got to be prepared. And you're probably talking to people, hey, what happens down the road if so-and-so is gone or yeah. they He has to have a lift if leave. Marcus Arroyo gets a job offer. Listen, after four and one, right? After four and one, you don't think there were some discussions? Hey, how are we going to handle this if this guy goes nine and three or eight and four? What are we going to do about an extension? Right. Those discussions happen. Yeah. You don't think Tim Younger was working some phones? Oh, he was. I'm just saying. He was, right? He's the agent for Marcus Royal. So the process is underway. We'll try to get you some names here the next couple of days. I'll go through some of the names a little later on of, that I've seen thrown out there. The one thing that I do think is silly, and I'm not going to mention names because I refuse to punch down, and especially because it's a lot of anonymous people. If, if you're going to sit there and annihilate Marcus Arroyo based on stories you've heard and you never really dealt with a guy up close, you're a clown. You're an infant, and I kind of think you're a pansy. Like, I saw, I saw someone last night... And, you know, you start, everyone starts getting all their Twitter muscles, right? And it's just, you know, this group. And, you know, if everyone's bashing someone, it just escalates. Hey, I'm going to top someone. I saw someone last night call Marcus Arroyo an MFer. Like, the, the MFer did this with the win total. He took the, pro, the MFer did this to the program. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, like, would you say that to the man's face? Would you say that to a grown man's face, you freaking twerp? Because you wouldn't. And then I'll throw one other thing in here. If you came out of the woodwork to annihilate the guy, because put aside the job that he did with the football program or some personal relationships, right? Maybe some people felt like they were slighted. But as a media person, as a legit media person, like I said, I'm not going to punch down either way. As a legit media person... If you're now getting your pound of flesh, complete weak sauce. Your pound of flesh on Marcus Arroyo, like I, he's gone. Now I can say whatever I want. If you aren't out there covering that team the last couple of years, really wimpy stuff. Seriously, because we'll, we'll go down this path for a second. You and I both dealt with a guy. If you talked to him, and you had an issue. There shouldn't have been issues moving forward. But the problem is people didn't talk to him. And I'm not excusing. I don't know everyone's story with Marcus Arroyo. But, yeah. I mean, how did he come across to you? To me or? or To you, with you. Um, we've had this, so we'll repeat this discussion. That first year, I was on the record and saying, on, on the late night podcast that we did, um, I didn't like what I was hearing but couldn't confirm it. So I always stipulated from if what I hear is true that Marcus Arroyo vetted right. in a sense local media that covered the rebels for extensive time to gauge what who dislikes and likes the program and then that's how he prejudged who he right. could trust and who not, he liked fair on his that wasn't fair it, because he came in yeah aggressive and abrasive with the media and we were dealing with the zoom we were dealing with the pandemic and he was getting these questions and we get it you never got it to the only time we got to meet him was the introductory press conference a couple of months before mm -hmm. the pandemic so you got to meet him there with the wife the daughter the whole bit so on and so forth you had met him you had said to him willie you know and i said hey i'm not and i never once said i'm not judging him for his football i don't know what he can do for a coach but 
these are media members are going to be covering you. You need to yeah. judge them on you being in Las Vegas as UNLV coach. You're taking over the program. Now, that being said, since the pandemic lifted, since I've been out there, I went to one game where, and I asked him straightforward in the press conference about Kenyon Oblad. Kenyon Oblad wasn't even, he, he went from the starter to the plummeted. Remember, he dropped on the depth chart. Fifth on the depth chart, yeah. Yeah, but I think the game that I was at that, that day, he was like second or third, and then they just jumped over him. Right. And I asked him in the press conference, if he's if he's there, why'd you jump over him? And I asked him right there. I've never held back. I've always asked questions. He's appreciated. And over the course of time, Marcus and I text and we talk and we check in with one another and, and so on and so forth. But we're not, we're not during the season. It's not like we're buddies or we're friends and I'm lobbying for him. I, that's that I call him out, but I ask, I've asked questions this year in press conferences. There've been times, Steve, where you, me, a couple of the beat writers, very limited. Who's asking questions, questions. It's a good thing that we do. So other people have quotes for their stories. I'll leave it there, but I just think you're the, the right. Name, the name calling, the and name then calling by guys that aren't being out like, there. Yeah, you guys are because you're you, embarrassing yourselves because you go on to these uh, Squarespace or WordPress and create a blog, and all of a sudden you think you're a media member and you could just start calling people names and so on and so forth. I agree with you 100. If you're going to go out and call him something to his face, by all means, I had one of the most respected of all time in the state of Nevada writer, sports writers, and I'm talking that goes back before you and me ever. Happened to DM me. Hope you're doing well. I'm wondering what you really think of the firing of Arroyo. I don't know, follow UNLV much anymore, but it seems to me like he brought a lot of energy and that the players were following him. For heaven's sake, they had even improved academically. Just seems like petty BS in the week of so many other failures. Point is, he didn't know, so he came to me to ask. Mm -hmm. Instead of just going, well, here's what I observed. So yep. another UNLV's failures, another da, 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 and start, you know. Yep. And, and my, my Lord, what an action to ground we could go. The path we could go down on people talking about Vegas sports and never talking to anyone in Vegas about those sports. Judgments on the Raiders, the organization, UNLV, Man. VGK, the Aces. I mean, just if you're outside the market, make a call, talk to some people, do a little research. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. I'm a fan of Nick Rolovich. I know him personally. I think he's a great hire. Put the lawsuit stuff aside, but somebody that's recruited the West Coast, he's recruited the island, which we know is a big attractor in the Las Vegas market. But he's also won at Hawaii. Very difficult place to win. Very difficult place to recruit mainland kids to. Coaches love to coach with him, and players love to play for him. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. John Denton on the way back, UNLV football quarterback back in the 90s. I wanted to get the national take on the UNLV coaching opening and the dismissal of Arroyo. Denton mentioned Nick Rolovich was a really interesting choice, kind of controversial. Ari Wasserman covers things nationally. For the athletic, Ari, what's going on, buddy? Hey, what's going on? I'm coming to Vegas tomorrow, actually. Okay, you coming into town for the Pac-12? Pac-12 championship game. Yep. Very nice, very nice. Um, I was watching you and 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 uh, Andy Staples on his podcast the other night, and you guys spent about five minutes talking about UNLV. So, um, yeah, I know it's one of the smaller uh, schools in terms of national attention, but uh, 
give me your take on the the job opening and what sort of interest there will be in a job that you know frankly UNLV's had a really tough time winning you know over the last 30 40 years yeah yeah I, I just like the thing that I always have a hard time with when it comes to these types of jobs at least from a national perspective is like what are realistic expectations from a fan base and uh, the administration of that program in terms of what they're looking for, you know? And it's like, to me, UNLV could be a national talking point because of where it's located if they were just to play that up, you know? Like, if you listen to the the Andy show with me uh, on there, we were joking a lot about, like, the Sin City University thing and, you know, official visits utilizing the strip and, and trying to play up, like, what Las Vegas is known for. Um, to college athletes and maybe having that persona, like I think you got to try to do something different, you know, to try to make it something people want to watch on TV, you know, like that's kind of the number one thing. And like with the NIL opportunities here, like I don't know, you know, how much, you know, casinos and the gambling industry, I mean, it's kind of a difficult situation because I don't think you can be sponsored by a gambling entity uh, according to the NCAA NIL rule book. But there seems to be like a lot of opportunity to kind of play that up, you know, and like I thought, I, the way I view it would be like, picture the U and the U is the U, you know, like have a, a team full of bad boys. And I don't mean bad people, but like bad boys who celebrate and have a high flying offense and can, you know, utilize the transfer portal the right way and, you know, make it something that we all would be interested in and, and thus makes it interesting for people who are being recruited. I, I don't think it's a hopeless place, especially considering the fact that it's uh, got proximity to, L.A. and the Southern California, you know, area with thousands of prospects and Arizona's better and one of the best high school football programs in the country is, what, 15 minutes north of the Strip? I mean, you don't think there's two or three-star prospects on that roster that, you know, would like to stay home? You know, I, I don't know. I, it, it's just a difficult place to win because it's never been taken seriously. But if you could change the persona and flip the script, I think you could have some success there. Yeah, it's, it's got potential, no doubt. They've got the uh, $35 million facility they built as their headquarters a couple years ago. They play at Allegiant. They need more attendance at Allegiant. But I, I think I think they have a good chance to get a bounce-back coach who's made success at Group of Five, uh, maybe flamed out Power Five, and you know is willing to take a, the paltry sum of $1.5 or $2 million a year, which cracks me up where... But why, why do that? Like, why, why do people think that that's what you should do? Like, why go get somebody who's on a downturn or, or somebody that has a recognizable name where their number one qualification is people might have heard of them? Like we saw Arizona State try that with Herm Edwards, and it was a complete yeah, dumpster fire. Why not get somebody who's an up-and-comer that, that might have some ties to the area or might be younger than, than another head coaching position and really try to do something with, with somebody who's energizing with a vision? You know, I don't mean to interrupt you, but, like, I think that, like, hiring on the downturn is like admitting defeat. Is Brian Harson and Tom Herman are are those guys on the downturn? No, I, you know I don't think that would be the case. Uh, no, um, they would probably. I mean, Tom Herman, especially. You know, I've, I've known him for a while now, especially with uh, when he was the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Like, I'm assuming if he's trying to get back into the good graces of the coaching world, like he would be uh, motivated and um exciting to watch there but the other thing with guys like tom herman is that if they even have a semblance of success they're going to bounce to the next job quickly so yeah. it's like also you have to take into account like the building factor too right yeah you got you got to find someone who's experienced power five and they're like you know what i've had enough of that i want a 10-year run a group of five where i was already successful you know i i get well paid my family gets to live in a nice area you got to find that perfect match 
Right. Yeah. And it's difficult, you know, like I'm over here talking about like, you know, in generalities, how easy it could be to, to find somebody. And the fact of the matter is, is that finding the perfect candidate would be an extremely difficult thing to do. Um, but like, I just, I mean, I've heard Gary Patterson's name floated around a little bit. I've seen, you know, Brian Harson. like maybe Brian Harson would be a great hire because he just, he's not a bad coach, but he just got hired in the wrong situation. Like if you're able to find a group of, of five coach that has that mentality of, you know, uncovering, you know, underutilized talents and, you know, developing guys like that stuff doesn't work at Auburn because they're trying to win national championships and beat Alabama, but it certainly works at the UNLV level, you know, but like, it's just what would, like, I just, as as curious, maybe as some of the listeners to hear your take on like, what is the correct plan? If you're, if you're UNLV's athletic director, what are you looking for? Are you looking for, if you want to have a sustainable plan for that, for that program, what's that plan look like? Right. And he didn't lay it out exactly but he wanted someone, at least he said it, and he could surprise people by going with another coordinator. He wanted someone with head coaching experience, and that could mean someone lower than UNLV. But I want to build on Gary Patterson. So your impression is, does Patterson still want to coach? He's 62. And I also want to throw out there, how much of this year's TCU success is due to Patterson? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, he built the roster. Now, Sonny Dykes has you know, had some transfer guys in and is very – plugged in with Dallas uh, area, DFW area prospects. But, I mean, I've, I've pondered quite frequently uh, on our national show talking about the college football playoff, how GP would probably feel. Uh, and uh, probably not very good. I mean, maybe very good and not very good because they weren't a very good football team a year ago, but it's his guys, you know. It's like Max Duggins in the Heisman Trophy discussion and it's a Gary Patterson dude, you know. So, um, you know, if, if you look at that from a qualification, it's like, yeah, you can say, hey, TCU is one win away from going to the playoff, and Gary Patterson made that. But on the other hand, you could say, look how bad they were when he was when he was leading these guys a year ago. And it took a new coach to get them to reach their potential. So, but like Gary Patterson is an interesting candidate because he built TCU into what it is and, and brought them into the Power Five, and you know had them on the verge of the inaugural playoff in fourteen before Ohio State got in and ultimately won the national title. Uh, that said, he's 62, and I don't know how much time he's got left to want to build something. You know, it's like does UNLV want to be a pit stop for a coach or the last stop so a guy like Gary Patterson can retire in Vegas, or do they want to be the a program that can build a, a solid foundation so they're not a turnstile of coaches? Uh, and you know, every three years you're having people like me on the phone vamp about whether or not they should hire this guy or that guy. You know, like I think that it's, the interesting thing is like you could say, hey, we want to go hire. A, uh, a coach with coaching experience. Okay, that's fine. But what is the plan? Like, that's the hardest thing about college football in general is, like, finding a coach that has an executable plan and then showing that it works and staying there long enough to see it through. And it's like my jokes on the Andy Staples show about, you know, having official visits on the rooftop of the win and having NIL deals fall out of slot machines and having all black uniforms at face Sin City and, you know, creating a, a team that encourages high stepping into the end zone and making it a fun product. I mean, that's all funny, but like, what is the legitimate plan that UNLV has to have and execute in order for it to be a respectable program? Like, that's the hardest thing about it. I think they were on their way. We uh, most of us on this show thought that Arroyo deserved a fourth year, uh, but if they're going to upgrade and they're going to get someone who is a proven winner, we can all accept that. I wanted to throw another name at you. Is anyone going to touch any time soon, Nick Rolovich, or is he just? too hot to get back, you know, uh, into the fold. 
Yeah, I don't know if I want to get canceled on this thing here. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a really tough situation, and, and personally speaking, I'm not familiar with his actual medical history and the whole vaccine thing. Um, I don't know if we're far enough out of COVID yet to to go down that road, but that was honestly one of the more peculiar circumstances I've ever seen in college football. Um, and honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I wish I did in terms of – I don't think he's like an unhirable person, you know. He made his decisions or whatever, but like from a from a just a perception standpoint, it just seems like that would be kind of a tough road to go down. Are right, you mentioned about the the uh, the Power Five and and where UNLV is going and Gary Patterson having having you know having a program on the brink and then going to TCU with the Pac-12 long term and and le- losing USC and and most likely wanted to prove UCLA. And the Mountain West Conference, it would seem like San Diego State's ready to go. UNLV, to me, is the most attractive school because of the location, everything that's involved, the money, the casinos, the backing. Um, could part of that go into this coaching search since football is king? Is like we have to get somebody that's also going to maybe has ties that can get us into a power conference. How much is that going to tie in this whole big conference realignment, if you will? Um, could that weigh into this? Yeah, I mean, I always find it interesting because, like, you look at the major programs in college football and what is the thing that's driving it, television revenue. I mean, crap, like, Wisconsin just hired Luke Fickle away uh, from Cincinnati, and that was a big-time candidate that was going to be potential, uh, you know, candidate for big-time jobs, and he's going to Wisconsin now. It's like, why? Because all that Big Ten expansion money's coming in. You know, and I don't know uh, where... UNLV would fall in the pecking order of a potential expanded Pac-12 or if there's even going to be a Pac-12 in three years. Um, but I like to think that if UNLV had that influx of cash from a te- television deal or something like that, that they would be a far more attractive place to go. You know, like where does – you mentioned that indoor facility that they built. That's always a good step, especially in a place that has a climate like that. Um, but, like, being a respectable candidate for expansion, I think, involves – fan buy-in and winning and, you know, respectability. And, you know, frankly speaking, I'm not necessarily sure that UNLV is is on that level right now. And maybe hiring the right coach that's going to be there for a while and has some staying power and isn't going to have a winning season in both. Because, like, that's like right now some, some of these college programs are in a really unfortunate situation where it's like you hire the right guy and you lose him because he's good, and if you hire the wrong guy, you lose him because he's fired. And it's like where's that sweet spot of, you know, who can you hire that wants to be at UNLV for seven years and build it the right way and actually make it into something? Because it's not impossible. In college football in general, you know, and, and I've been wrong about Jim Harbaugh. Like, I would have fired the guy two years ago. Now he just beat Ohio State's uh, butt two years in a row, and I, he would have been fired if I were the athletic director. Like, the, the, the patience that it actually takes to build something sometimes takes longer than three or four years. So it's just a very difficult spot for them to be in, and every single coaching hire that they make is a pretty pivotal one. And, you know, you can't be in a situation where you're turning over your coaches every three or four years. Ari Wasserman, The Athletic. Last couple of minutes here, he's a college football expert up on Cofield and Company. Deion Sanders, uh, is he going to jump right to Power 5? I know I heard you talk about Colorado not being a match. Uh, are South Florida or Cincy interested, and would he be interested? You know, if I were Dion, I would just wait for a big job. Uh, I don't know, like, if he went to Colorado, I would spit my water out. I mean, it doesn't even seem like even remotely, I mean, like in the middle of that, in a place where there's not a lot of talent, I would want to put Deion Sanders 
and like like Georgia Tech would have made a lot of sense to me. You put them right in the heart of Atlanta, you get them around a bunch of high school prospects and let them cook, you know. Um, and I don't know that Deion Sanders is in a position financially or in his career uh, where he has to, uh, you know, build his way up the way that a typical coaching candidate would. Like, I think there's a chance that if he continue to win at Jackson State, he keeps pulling stunners on National Signing Day, um, that he could be a shoe-in for a place like Florida State or, you know, uh, a program that's been a blue blood in the past in the next four years, three years. So, like, the, like in my opinion, going to a place like Colorado and failing to succeed would be worse for him than staying at Jackson State, running his conference, and, you know, using guys like Travis Hunter to, you know, in a, uh, you know drive that program. I mean, like, literally took a, a number one overall player in the 2022 class and put him into a, into a university that doesn't play at the Division One level. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> uh, so I think he's a he's a coaching candidate that I would take seriously if I were anybody, because prime time makes you a, a legitimate factor. And I can't imagine Deion Sanders and UNLV. That would be awesome. I mean, it would just be that would be exactly like what I was describing at the beginning of the call. If he wanted to play it up that way, um, I just don't know if I would take a middle tier job or a building job at a place that has no history of sustained success. If I legitimately think I could win a national championship in three years if I get over to a place that has the resources, the money, the facilities, and the geography to attract top-tier talent. Ari Wasserman, we appreciate it. Thanks for carving out some time for us. Uh, You can find Ari's work up on The Athletic. Uh, Tell people about some of the podcasts you do and where they can find them. Uh, Yeah, uh, Stars Matter and the Andy Staples Show feed. The Andy Staples Show I'm a co-host on. uh, Theathletic.com, college football national writer, Anything that you guys uh, do to support, I'd appreciate it. And uh, I'd love to interact with anybody who uh, heard me on the call, and I appreciate you having me on. All right. Hook Ari up with some, some comps, people. He's coming here to Vegas. Yeah, I need him some up. comps. I'm going to be at the Bellagio all weekend. Hit me up. I'll be in the poker room at 2 in the morning uh, by the ATM cage trying to, like, find some quarters on the ground. All right, Ari. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. There he is. Ari Wasserman, who I got uh, the contact for Ari Wasserman from another Ari. Not our Ari. So all these Ari stick Ari together. Gold? Actually, I did get it from the imaginary character. Ari Gold, yes. <laughs> I hung out with Jeremy Piven at the Ghost Bar one night. By the way. Yes. I don't think I'll be invited onto Andy Staples' podcast, but with Mr. Wasserman, you can hear some of the stuff I talk about with knowledge of UNLV. And listen, they don't have to, if they don't want to have the knowledge, then it's up to them. But a lot of the stuff he was saying about, hey, you got to Vegas it up, they slowly but surely have, with both programs, men's basketball, I'm talking about the biggest programs, men's basketball and football, they have slowly started to move back towards being more glitzy Vegas. Now, people also have to understand, you went through a period of time where anything remotely similar or connected to Tark, they were like, oh, we can't do that. So it takes time to get back there, but UNLV football was already doing stuff like that. And as far as visits, people outside the market have no idea no idea what they do with the kids on these visits. Like they don't they don't keep them away from the strip. The strip is a strength. Yeah. Now they were joking on that podcast about nil deals for you know with strippers and cocaine. Okay, they're not doing that. I don't think they can go there, fellas, outside the market. But uh, did you, you know. did you catch the comment at the very end? Something that we were talking about at the beginning of the show. You were like, 
we need to stop looking down on this program. This is a, did you, did you notice one of the phrases that Ari said at the end of the interview? What's like, that? Well, I don't know if, you know, if it's on that level yet. It's not the big time of a job. He kind well, of made a, he made a comment about. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't one, blame people from outside the market who were like, hey, they just haven't had success. I understand. So we, you know, you, like as a prospective coach, right. do you believe you can get that, you know, get them to that level? That is a little bit of a tougher sell. Join Cofield and Company on Fridays for the 3 to 6 show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Let's continue a little college football here. we got the Big Ten Championship coming up, Willie, as uh, Purdue has made its way to take on Michigan. I think it's going to be a really competitive game. Let's get into a preview of the game. Well, yeah, Purdue and Michigan. And uh, for me, a nice highlight for the Purdue Boilermakers is a local standout who really somewhat not – I don't want to use the word tough, but just sort of a, a long, grinding college career road. Hell of a story. Yeah, from Adam State to – from Centennial High School to Adam State to now at Purdue. And uh, I, I found a story early, which we'll talk about, uh, where he was one of five Purdue players to watch in November and, and to really boost the Boilermakers. Welcome to the show, Centennial grad Bryce Hampton. Bryce, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Willie? Doing good, doing good. Glad you can jump on here, spend some time. I know you just got out of practice a little bit ago, so let's just start there, just how exciting it is getting ready. I mean, you know, it was probably a little more than a year ago, whatever, but, you know, wasn't sure what you were going to do. I mean, I'd run into you at the mini EOS, and me and Pops would be talking, and right. all of a sudden you're going to Purdue. Right, right. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long journey, but uh, and a long season. It's been a long grind for me. Um, but we're grateful for this opportunity and uh, ready to showcase the world what's uh, what Purdue's all about and myself. For you, what's it been like? I mean, because you've had, as I said, a long grinding road, and um, you know, and 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 you, you and I have had some, you know, just some private talks here and there. We run into each other, stay in touch, and obviously, your father and I go way back. Um, and for those unaware, Bryce's father was a standout athlete with yesterday's guest, John Denton, at Green Valley High School. Um, but Bryce, for you, just uh, talk a little bit about just you know what it's been for you, your college career, and just how sweet it's been to come out of situations that you've dealt with. Um, I think it's just been uh, humbling and uh, learned learned a lot for sure. Just over my years of playing and uh, and all the trials and coming back home and uh, like you said, seeing me at the gym, just trying to work my way, and I finally got my opportunity. But uh, just being here, I learned a lot a lot of football that I had no clue about. And um, I think this is a good opportunity for me to even try to get to the next level and pursue my career. So um, it's, it's been good for me. I'm blessed with this opportunity and just uh, taking it all in and uh, staying humble. Bryce Hampton with us here on Cofield and Company, one of the cornerbacks for Purdue. So I wanted to get specifically into some of the parts of the story. You were – were you out of football for a while here and, you know, working regular jobs? What was going on? I was. Uh, so, actually, out of, uh, out of the tenure, I went to JUCO, um, Mesa Community College in uh, Arizona. Played there my first season, and uh, school shut down after that season. So, I uh, couldn't really find a place to go. So, I went back to Vegas, took some classes, and uh, 
was working a full-time job at a, I started a, a phone company working there. I couldn't do it anymore. I was getting tired of it. And I was doing that and working out every day. And then I started working at Canes again, um, where I used to work at in high school. And then I had another opportunity to go to snow college in Utah. And, uh, and there, it's just been a, a blessing for me. What'd you do at Raising Canes? Were you working the drive-through window, the register? Were you cooking? What was what was going on? A little bit of everything. I was cleaning bathrooms, cooking chicken, the fries, everything. I I did everything there. It, it, it was that was that was a, a tough time, but it, I think it made me who I am today. I was going to say when you have to do that, and you know we're we're all regular people. When you have to do that and your dream's a bit derailed, I mean, it gives you really good perspective. Because while you're doing it, you're like, my God, I miss what I really want to do, right? Yeah, right. I was I was one of the lowest moments in my life so far, and um, I told myself I, I I never want to be in that situation or even work a job like that again. I, I want to focus on what I've been wanting to do. And, uh, yeah, that was, it, that was crazy. But I, I got out of there, and uh, I'm here. So let me ask you this, because the, in a situation like that, Bryce, it, you can have a mental state in watching former friends and classmates and teammates like Ramondre Stevenson and Savon Scarver and Troy Brown in the NBA and even Greg Rogers, who, you know, his career didn't pan out the way. But guys that you went to school with that were doing their thing and you're not able to, did it drive you? And did, did were they there for you, like, you know, encouraging words? Or did it make it a little harder for you, like, man, my boys are out here doing their thing and I can't? Which side of that were you on? Um, I was kind of in the middle for a little bit, but, you know, talking to them and seeing seeing their success, it, it, it drove me to even want to go harder because um, just playing with those guys growing up, I, I knew the type of player I was, and I never lost that focus, even, even having talks with my dad. Um, just telling him to keep going, keep going. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, everything's going to work out. And um, during that time, I was actually working out with Bubba Bolton during um, literally say, saying, you know, his little situation. And we would, I would come off work, pick him up, and we'd go to the field, go to the gym every day. So just he was actually pushing me to even go harder, and I was pushing him to, to get back to where we wanted to be. Speaking with – Purdue defensive back Bryce Hampton, Centennial High grad, getting ready for the Big Ten Championship, Purdue and Michigan this weekend. So I got to ask you, a lot of news, obviously, I'm sure you know from afar, uh, UNLV coach Marcus Arroyo fired. You played here during the Sanchez hire, but you obviously know the Sanchez brother regime over at Gorman. I believe you were in the game where Ramondre ripped off like an 84-yard touchdown in the opening round of the playoffs. I think you were on that roster. Um, That said – were you ever recruited or approached by UNLV, um, you know, while you were in Centennial? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, but um, not not too much. The uh, like, I, I I wanted to go to UNLV. That was a, a thing of mine. Like you know, everybody staying home, but it, uh, I never really got the opportunity to uh, to go down there and see what their facility is about, or even really get in contact with coaches that much even though I did want to. What about after each year of uh, JUCO and then at Adam State? Any any contact at all? Um, after Not after JUCO, but a- after Adam State, when I entered the transfer portal, uh, I was talking to I was talking to Coach Rowe there for a little bit. And um, 
I was, I, when I was talking to them, I was on my visit, and it, they came came a little place for me, and um, I got that call from Purdue, and just had to make it make it happen. Out here, Purdue's had a really good season, eight and four, playing in the Big Ten championship. Um, so, last one for you, Bryce Hampton, a Vegas local, playing in the Big Ten title game. How do you guys win this game? What do you got to do? We need to stop the run, um, play physical, play to our ability, and um, execute. And um, I think with with, with that, and uh, we got on our side. We should um, do the outcome and just play hard, play to the end. We got to play all sixty minutes. For sure, and if we do that. And look at the score right there, and I'm sure we'll be on the right side. Well, I know if there's one Boilermaker that's going to do that, especially with your pops in the stands, it's going to be you. Bryce, I really appreciate you stepping on here. I know it's a busy week for you, but taking some time out for your hometown, it never fails. You come through. Bryce Hampton, Centennial grad, good luck this weekend. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All right, my guy. Bryce Hampton. That's a good story. There's stories like that all over college football. You know, the fact that it's a hometown guy who was almost out of football. Mm -hmm. Neat stuff. He was out of football. Wasn't almost. No, you're right. He was. he was. He was. He was working a regular job again. I'm just mad that I didn't get any canes. <laughs> you want the, is, that, is that the most important part? I, I, didn't, get, I, didn't, I didn't get a hookup. <laughs> Talk about his background and his dad. His dad's Eric McCauley. Eric McCauley played uh, football and basketball at Green Valley, and that was during a time that was one of the first four expansion schools, Green Valley, Durango, Cimarron, Centennial. And at the time, the Clark County School District instituted a minority-to-majority rule, and that meant that in the heavily um, – populated areas with you know uh, minorities they could choose to go to a specific school if they lived in a specific zip code or parcel of land so if you lived in this voting district so on and so forth it was you could go if you went to if you were uh, zoned for rancho you could go to green valley in a certain area uh cimarron drew from western Cl- uh, durango drew from clark in historic west las vegas and four of the five starters for green valley's basketball team and then john denton those four should have been on Rancho's team, but they chose to go to Green Valley. Once you made your choice, you had to stick with it. And so there was a really great rivalries created, Rancho, Green Valley, Durango, and Gorman at the time, which was still on Maryland Parkway. But um, Eric McCauley was a fantastic athlete, and one of my favorite all-time all-purpose athletes played with him, Wade Perkins, who went on to play uh, Missouri. So there were some great athletes back then in the 90s. Yeah, this kid, Bryce Hampton... I know he's – I think their plan is to appeal to get the COVID year back because that was – you know, think about it. That's that's part of this whole journey is the freaking COVID year. Right. Which ruined, you know, temporarily some football careers. He actually wound up – I know you're not a PFF guy, but maybe in this case you'll be cool with it. Um, <laughs> on Pro Football Focus, they rate college players. Hampton actually was their fourth highest rated defensive player. Good you know, probably played about three quarters of the time, 290 snaps in 10 games and – uh, had a rating over seventy one, so I'm a, I'm was okay. a solid player. And I boy, I hope he you know he appeals and if he wants to play another year of college football. Yeah. And but by the way, what a place to end up too to do your studies. Purdue is an awesome freaking school. That's the most important part. Yeah. You get a degree as, from as Purdue. We're, as we're finding out, APRs are really important. they are very important. <laughs> all right, for Willie. All right, thanks to all our guests today. Find the archives of the show up at lvsportsnetwork.com and uh, clips of interviews, full interviews up at ESPN Las Vegas on Twitter.